Are you tired of the same routine of studying the Bible? We thought so too, and it's time for a change. Hi, I'm your host Aaron, and with me is uh, co-host Josh. Yes, the Bible. You know of it. We know of it. But how well do we actually understand it? Um, I'm hoping a lot better after today because we've, we've taken a little bit of time off, and we did a lot of studying on this past uh, uh, poll that we did. So, Yeah, so r- remind us again, uh, what's our passage? So, so our, 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 we're random acts of study. So we randomly pick what we're going to study. So, so what did we pull this last time? <laughs> we, I mean, I'm the one who turned to it. So, where, where do we turn? Where do we land? We we pulled a genealogy, and not just any genealogy. We we pulled the genealogy of David, um, who I'm sure a lot of us are all very familiar with. Um, it's a well, lot well, of it, names. It's not just David. Actually, we we pulled the the fear when you do a, a podcast like this. When you yep. do something like this. I'm going to do it randomly. Is you're gonna you're gonna pull that genealogy that's just names, uh-huh. and we didn't pull Matthew. We nope. didn't pull Luke, which point to Jesus. Nope. We didn't pull in in uh, Genesis as it's pushing the story. Also, no. Nope. Uh, Leviticus as it's telling of the people of Israel. Although something nope. similar, something similar though. No, we we did First Chronicles. Yeah. chapter two. Yep, chapter two. And my eyes landed on on verse nine. You know, obviously, you know, there's eight verses before that, um, which 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 talk about uh, what the, the the sons of Judah. Yes. Well, no, no, the sons of Israel. It, sons of Israel. Yeah, um, yeah. No, no. You 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 got down into uh, Hezron, which is the grandson or the yeah, yeah the grandson of Judah. Um, but yeah, we we totally skipped the part with the the twelve tribes of Israel. There would have been some really familiar names right off the bat. Easily. But no, no, we didn't do that. We we got into some names that. I, as the reader, I wasn't very prepared to read any of these names. Uh, I was told later on that I did an A-OK job. I did a slightly OK job. And, uh, but, I mean, it's, it's a lot of names. You know, you got 55 verses of genealogy, and, and you have chronicles, which, you know. Um, so, so remind us again, you started in verse 9. I started in verse 9. What, what verse did you go to? I'm sorry? What verse did you go to? Verse 9. No, you started at nine. What, where did you end? Oh, I went all the way to 55. Yes. Because I kept going, and he was telling me, Josh was telling me, you know, keep keep rolling, keep going, keep going. It's, it's not done yet. We might have to check the tape on that one. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> that. I remember looking at you, and I think I, I my, my strength was bolstered. Um, but yeah, okay, it, okay, and it does. It bounces around. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it bounces around. And it is, you know, it starts off as the genealogy of David. And that's, you know, the, the little breaks that the uh, scribes and stuff have, have put into um, our scripture. It, uh, it, it says, you know, the genealogy of David. So I began reading there. That's where my eyes Oh, that's why. Okay, the gene- yeah. yeah, I see. Yeah. I get it now. You thought there was going to be some good stuff. I thought gene- there yeah. would because I'm like, ooh. And then you get into it and then it bounces around all over the place. You know, it goes uh, it goes into the birth of, of, of David and then it just goes all over the place. So, you know, what yeah. I... And, you know, when we do this kind of format, you, you flip it open and you go, we always say what our eyes first go to, what it catches. Mm-hmm. And then later you look across the page and like, man, I should have done that one instead. Or What, what were you hoping I was going to get? You mentioned it well, before the show. No, no, no. See, that's that's the deal. Is I didn't just flip open to where there's a genealogy. No, no, no. If, if you'd gone before no. in chapter one, it's genealogies. Uh, <laughs> down here, we got the end, chapter three. You could That was family of David. So you could have gone with David. Oh, we got his sons. But that's just because this genealogy ends with David and then jumps around. <laughs> uh, that's also genealogies. In fact, Chronicles starts with nine chapters 
of genealogy. So no matter what direction you went, there's no across the page. There's no different heading. It was going to be genealogies. So when you look at this, First First Chronicles, the first nine chapters are, are, are genealogies. That's a lot. A lot of names. It is. To start off the book. So why? Why does this book start with nine chapters of genealogies? What? Well, that's got to be your first thought. You know, why are they writing all these genealogies down? And I, th- and I think to do that, we kind of need to take a look at the book of Chronicles. Yes. Yeah, very I, much. I mean, I know our, our point of our study is not to be an introduction to every book that we read, but I think in this study, we kind of need to know what is this book, what's its purpose, and why does it start with nine chapters? Like, what's that, the cultural significance? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you read well, like 47 verses of them, and there were a lot of <laughs> names. I mean, 47 yeah. I went over a hundred names, and some of these names, yeah, I, I don't even want to try. So I, th- I think we're gonna do a little different format here. Where <laughs> thank you, we're not gonna read the text again, sweet, because I, I don't want to read all of those. We will look at some of these names, yes, of course, but I, I don't think we need to read the entire text because I think we'll we'll lose all of our audience before you got done, um, or most of our audience. We don't oh, want to yeah. do that. So yeah. let's. What is this book of Chronicles? What is its um, purpose? What, what, what and then maybe it'll make sense why we have nine chapters. You know, we're trying to make sense of that. Yeah, yeah. Who, who were the who were the listeners, and what were they doing at the time, and what were they, um, what were they wanting? You know, that's that's kind of that's a very important aspect of of this book. So when you look at it from our point of view, which is we're reading this, and it's like a lot of this is covered um, throughout the Old Testament. Like, why why are we reading it again? It seems redundant. Yeah, and besides the genealogies, we'll, 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 a lot of them aren't redundant. Uh, and, and one word about these genealogies, too. They're, they're not listed in an order like uh, where they all go forward and they all or they all go backwards. Some of them go forward, some of them go backwards. It, they jump around. Yep. Uh, it starts going here, and then, boom, it just jumps back a couple generations, and it, and it, it tells the story of another brother and his line. And then, boom, it, it jumps from tribes of Israel. It, it, it's, all, it's all over. It's, Mod- it's, <laughs> Modern-day Christopher Nolan. Uh, would be yeah, the, very the much best so. way to, yes. to state how this is written. Yes, this might be the modern equivalent of Tenet when it comes to genealogy. I'll, I'll give you that. I still have to watch that. Yeah. Um, all right, so basically what I ended up doing is I went through and I made 20, you know, quote-unquote facts uh, or, or 20 things that stood out to me about um, this this passage um, and, and as well as just chronicles in general. Well, you, you didn't make up the facts. You, you no, rec- I didn't make them you up. You recognized the I facts. I recorded the facts. Recorded. On my, okay, you chronicled the facts. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah basically, yeah. <laughs> but uh, one of the one of the things that, that I always try to remember is, yeah, it's first and second chronicles to us. There's verses. There's paragraph breaks. There's all kinds of other stuff. It wasn't first and second chronicles to them. Yeah. And, and well, to get back to, I, I think you started diving this point, and then I, I, I went on a rabbit trail and took you away from it. <laughs> is um, to when you get to First and Second Chronicles, especially if you're doing like I'm going to read through the Bible, and you you know you've slogged through, you got through Leviticus, you're feeling great, you've hit a, you've hit a lot of genealogies already, and you got through them, and like I said, in, in Numbers and in Genesis, and you know you you you, you got, and then you've done First and Second Samuel, you've done First and Second Kings. Then you get to First and Second Chronicles, and it's like, um, well, um, well, first of all, there's a lot of names, and then it's like, but 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 then you look at the stories, you're just looking at the headings, like I've already read about this king. I've already, yep. it's like you're going back over history. At least First and Second Samuel progress, and then Kings progresses after that, and then Chronicles jumps all the way back into like First Samuel, and it's kind of 
why what why is the author rehashing these things? Why why is he going back over them? Um, and why is he glossing over certain groups of people? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about your 20 facts about Chronicles. <laughs> 20 facts about Chronicles. Doctors facts. hate this one. Okay. Doctors hate number three. Um, I mean, <laughs> don't you always love that? You look at the list and like number three is like the most lame thing on the list. Uh, like, really? You hate that? I mean, number three is the Septuagint. Uh, that was pretty good. But yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. agree. It's like, no. You, okay. Um, so my number one was uh, it's placed after the Book of Kings in the English Bible. Congratulations. Show's done. We have... Told the truth. Yeah. Should I keep going? Well, you talked. You said the Book of Kings. Yeah. I can't find the Book of Kings in my Bible. I know, and that's that was my mindset when writing out my notes. Is you've got First and Second Kings, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, unless I'm telling somebody where I want, you know, them to look, or where I'm saying to someone where I'm looking, I really just like to say the Kings, Book of Kings, Chronicles, um, Samuel, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so that's just the way I wrote it. All right, I'll just look at your your uh, twenty facts about Chronicles. I think you need to do number fourteen first. Fourteen. Might, first. Yeah, yeah. You're hitting around, and you're gonna you just go ahead and oh, here we go. Spit it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I could have started with this. First and yes. Second Chronicles were originally one book, but split into two. Yes. Very similar to quite a few books in the Bible. Well, well, actually, two other books. Yeah, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. That's why when you say the Book of Kings, it actually was the Book of Kings, and it was the Book of Samuel. That's true, because New Testament was written as letters. So, so you have that fact, but you didn't have why. Why no. was it was split into two? I don't know. Oh. Go for it. Well, I, I see in my research I found that out, too. Nice. Um, yeah, the book of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles in the Hebrew Bible are all one book. They're not actually split into two. Part of the reason is in Hebrew, when you write Hebrew out uh, as a written language, you don't include the vowels. So words are shorter. When the Septuagint was put together, this is in the 3rd century B.C., um, a group of scholars, 70 scholars in Alexandria, put together a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And when they did that... Um, I don't know why, I just got a thumbs down, but... Okay. <laughs> Thanks. All righty. Um, when they put this together, uh, in Greek, you, you do have the vowels, and the books were much longer, so they split them into 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and 1st and 2nd Samuel. Nice. So it's placed after our books of First and Second Kings in the English Bible. Okay. Got that. Number That's one in 14 nice. done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, one in 14 done. Um, uh, fact number two, the placement follows the tradition of the Septuagint, uh, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So meaning when they put the Septuagint together, that's where they placed it. Correct, yeah. Gotcha. So number three, the Septuagint name for Chronicles is the uh, things left behind. So that that kind of makes us wonder when it was written and why it was left behind, or how could it be in the position of being left behind? So You mean they didn't call it Chronicles? No, they didn't call it Chronicles, which is weird. So yeah. maybe maybe you can talk, like, do you know? Actually, yes, it was okay. not called the Book of Chronicles until the... Fourth century by Jerome, as he's translating the Bible into Latin, the Vulgate. Uh, he comes up with the term Chronicles, is what he names this book. Um, and it was uh, Martin Luther uh, also agreed, and that's what he called it, and that's where our tradition of calling this book Chronicles comes from. Nice. Uh, but that wasn't always his name. That's not what they called it. Uh, when you read in First and Second Kings, are not these things written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings? It is not referring to this these two books here. Because uh, as you see, if you... There's some, there's some details missing. Some of the stories are there, but some of them are not there. Um, and that would be why 
So cool. Thank you for the clarification on that one. No problem. Um, number four, it's more than just what was left behind. There are theological and eschatological themes within the book of Chronicles. So, you know, theological, this the study mm-hmm. of. Um, as uh, catalogical, that's you know the, the study of the end times. Well, theological is the study of what? The word, theo, God, theo? God. Yes. <laughs> and this is why Josh is here. Yes, keeps me in check. Um, number five, Chronicles is uh, part of the Kedavim, which I, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. I'll which... let you handle the Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> you did really well with the names last time. Thank you. Um, which means writings. Um, so it's, it's, you know, a recounting, uh, written recounting. So in the English Bible, we put up what we call history and the Hebrew Bible would be what they call writings then. Right. Okay. Uh, number six, the placement of Chronicles in the English Bible may be after Kings, but in the Ketuvim, which is uh, the Hebrew Bible, it's at the end again. Yeah, you know what? I, and I really like this point, And I think that placement's really good because if you, if you look at Chronicles and what it's doing, its placement at the end of the Old Testament, I think, is is uh, is a really good placement for it. I, I think they, they did a good job putting it there. Especially um, if you look at the end of, of you know what's called Second Chronicles for us. If you look at the end, um, it makes sense mm-hmm. because it's it's like the perfect kind of just final layer. Right, right. It's recapping because what what happens a lot of times when you read the Bible as you're walking through, especially the prophets, you kind of get lost where they fit in the history, and and, and the, you know most of them fit right inside the books of First uh, and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. A few of them overlapping into Ezra and Nehemiah, which which do take place towards you know later. Um, although there's some genealogies that go beyond that, so this this appears to be you know. Well, when it was written, you, that's your next point. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, so to steal your point. No, uh, go, go, go. No, no. It, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to put them into history. So kind of having a recapping at the end, you, you, you've had the story of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, laying down these stories. You, you get your prophetic writings, and then kind of a recap, uh, yeah. summing it up. So. And for us, we, you know, we call it a recap. For them, it was a reminder. I mean, that's, that's why it was written. Mm-hmm. And, and how it ends, you know, uh, Second Chronicles for us again, is uh, Cyrus, the king, is, is saying, Go. Go back, go rebuild uh, Jerusalem. Yes, that's that's how it ends. So, and that that's why it's such a good reminder. It's you know recap for us. It's a reminder to them of of God's promise and, and providence. And anyway, I don't want to go off off the notes too much right now. We'll get into that later. Yeah, um, I, th- I think you have a note on that later. Yeah, and, and, mm-hmm. and number seven, which which goes to what Josh was saying. You know, the timing of it, the writings of Chronicles or quote unquote the writings is after the Babylonian captivity. Now, you had made a really good point pre-show about, um, yeah, it's after the Babylonian captivity, but not all of the Israelites wanted to leave. Yeah. Right? Can you can you talk on that a little bit? Oh, yeah, that was going to be in my notes. Oh, it yeah. is in your notes? Yeah. The one thing to remember is, we'll, 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 we'll build back on it later. Okay. Yeah, is, is when the, the captivity is over and the order is given to go back, uh, most of the, the Jews that were taken into captivity stayed in Babylon, stayed in captivity. Uh, it was a minority that went back and, and set up, the, and built the temple, built the walls, rebuilt the city. Uh, most people had gotten comfortable where they were. Uh, at least that's what it appears to be. But you know what, what really happened? And we have this, this Jewish population around the, the, the empires. Uh, we call it the diaspora. And, and what's really interesting is at the time of the first century, as the gospel is spreading... 
as the apostles go out, as we see we see this with Paul, but we, we, we it's 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 strong to, to infer this happened with the other apostles. The first place Paul always goes to is a synagogue mm. where he's preaching the Messiah to Jewish uh, worshipers of Yahweh. It's 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 God preparing the way for the gospel to come centuries later. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and please do. Um, the recounting of the rebuilding of Jerusalem is Nehemiah. Am I wrong? Yeah, Ezra and Nehemiah. Yes. Okay. All right. Nehemiah was mostly to rebuild the walls. Ezra came right. back to rebuild the, te- the temple. Okay. Yes. Cool. 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 Mm-hmm. Which which take place uh, in the timeline right after the Book of Chronicles. So Ezra and Nehemiah do take place after that. Hey, we got a thumbs up. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Um, thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, you just cancel out that terrible thumbs down that has broken our hearts. Um, well, your mention of Ezra is actually really cool because, you know, point number eight for mine was while Ezra is generally agreed upon as the author of uh, First and Second Chronicles, the writings, um, it's possible it was a cantor from Jerusalem. Okay, you just used a fancy word. I did, and it's not so, a horse running. No, cantor. Yeah. It's a, okay, so it's not a horse running. What is a cantor? Well, I'm glad you asked because number nine, because I knew it was going to come, uh, because even even me, I was like, what in the world is a cantor? You know, as, as I'm uh, you know doing a lot of, of research, and I saw this mentioned, I'm like, I, don't, I have no idea what this is. Um, so as Oxford Languages uh, describes it, it is, quote, an official who sings liturgical music and leads prayer in a synagogue. So that who sings liturgical music? That'd be church music. So yeah. you're saying uh, it was the worship leader. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's so the best way to put it. This might have been written us. by a worship leader. Um, okay. And I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was Chuck Missler. And I, I, if I am wrong, um, I'll go back and I'll, I'll amend this. But he stated um, in one of his uh, lectures or whatever that it was a, a priest that wrote it, and his backing for that was the fact that, and we'll get into this who is omitted from the writings of Chronicles and only the, the, the good, positive accounts of the kings gotcha, are, yeah. are, are really, you know... And as you get into those long down. genealogies, those nine chapters, there's two tribes that are really emphasized. Uh, we'll talk about this a little, a little later, but it, it, they're Judah and Levi. Um, so it makes sense, Judah being where the Messiah comes from and Levi being where the priests come from. Right. Um, so number 10, uh, these themes are more than what's left over from Kings, uh, for us, you know, uh, they stand out if you have a proper understanding of, uh, of Chronicles place at the end of the Hebrew Bible, otherwise known as the Tanakh. So my, my thought on this was for proper understanding, you know, to, to understand properly what's written, why it's written, who it's to, what they were thinking and feeling at that time. Um, you know, the, the placement for them, and Josh has already kind of touched on this pretty well, it is a recounting, it's a reminder, it's an uplifting song to these, these people that have had a pretty tough time, yeah. consistently displaced, consistently uh, enslaved, and then freed, uh, following of God, non-following of God, idol worship, um, it, I mean, they had, they've had a rough go, and granted. Through the generations, yes. Yeah, granted, um, you know, everything that I've read so far, it was kind of deserved. But this is something that was meant to uplift them and remind them of who they were, where they came from, 
And so for it to be at the end, it's like the, the, the perfect, just you close the book and you're like, wow. So that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're going to write this uplifting book, um, after this time of, of, per, of uh, I don't want to say persecution, because like you said, it, it, was, it was what was promised them. Mm-hmm. Um, seemed really bad, really hard, really difficult, and these these days are over, but, but what's the head's unsure? If you're going to write that kind of book, uh, you alluded to this a little earlier, what do you leave out? Or who do you leave out? And here we get into <laughs> point number 11, the, the writer, Ezra, a cantor, whatever. Uh, the writer ignores the northern kings and focuses only on the kings of Judah, only mm. on the southern kings. Why is that? Well, because the northern kings were naughty. <laughs> <laughs> And this is an uplifting book. This okay. is a uh, this is a book that is, it's a reminder of you know like we just talked about who we are, what we are. Um, so that you would say they were kings who did what was right in their own eyes and, yeah. and didn't worship Yahweh, follow him, basically like, like David did. Yeah, to okay. put it very simply, and even even those kings, the ones that were were focused on, they did terrible things too. They did bad things too. They were sinful, just like every other human out there in the world. But at least in certain positions, their heart was right with God with their actions. Yeah, and, and those detail, those uh, sins and stuff are detailed uh, quite extensively in First and Second Samuel and in First and Second Kings, so the writer of Chronicles leaves a lot of that out, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he even goes into some of the wicked kings. I'm going I'm to deviate totally from notes here. No, to remember no. this, like, like Manasseh. If you we read First and Second Kings, and, we, and that's our, our thing, Manasseh, the, the son of Hezekiah, he's, he's the worst king Judah has. But we see later in his life, that he, he comes to worship Yahweh. He comes to, to, to follow God. And, th- and that's the point that Chronicles is trying to make. Right. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's hitting the high points. The low points have been hit. And he, he's trying to show that it wasn't all bad. Yeah. You know, as we, as we come back, as we rebuild, uh, as we're facing these uncertain times ahead, the past wasn't all bad. E- even the bad guys weren't all bad. That's the beauty of it. In the end, I mean, <laughs> yeah. they were bad. They were bad. I'm not, right, I'm not right. justifying that what they did, but uh, God's God's plan was always reconciliation for His people, and that's kind of the the, the theme running through here. And yeah, no matter what we do, God is always working it out for our good and His glory. Mm-hmm. Um, number twelve: the importance of preserving the history of the Israelites is so that they can trace the line of the coming Messiah from the Davidic line. Now, it's not just that. Don't get me wrong, but it is an important aspect of it. Also, it's pretty important that both Matthew and Luke begin with it. Yeah. So, and 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 if you lose track in genealogies, and you you kind of made this point pre-shows, I'm not going to steal it, but. It is, it is important to have a history of who your family is. And Josh, like I said, you got a great point on that, so I'll, I'll wait on it. We'll get there, yeah. Yeah. Um, number 13, Genesis 49, 8 through 12, tells us the Messiah will come from the line of Judah. And, and really, it doesn't say the Messiah. It just says the scepter will not pass. pass yeah. Um, it won't pass from the Davidic line. Like it, it's it's going to stay in it. Which, well, Genesis on. doesn't say the Davidic line because David's not around yet. But that is a that is a promise made to David, right? Right. Um, through Judah, and then then continued on with David. And so. it does it does specifically mention Judah. You're right. Yep. Because mm-hmm. um, Judah was alive then. <laughs> he, he did exist. Now that's not to say the Bible couldn't. Say, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, number fourteen, First and Second Chronicles were originally one book, but split we did two. We already, yeah, yeah, we already yeah, we already gone go. through that. We number fifteen, one. Chronicles in its whole form begins with the line of Adam and Eve. Now we're we're talking, you know, Chronicles chapter one, 
starts with Adam and Eve and ends with a Persian king Cyrus being, quote, stirred up in the spirit by God. And not only does it begin literally with Adam, I don't think he's mentioned, uh, but it literally the first, yeah, yeah, the first (laughs) word of the book of Chronicles is Adam. Yeah, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan. It, it just—that's the very first word, Adam. That's where it and starts. How does how does uh, pull pull Second Chronicles? I think it. I think it says up. You mean the middle of of Chronicles? Sure. Hold on. Well, no, no. Uh, Second Chronicle, last last chapter in Second Chronicles. Oh, the last. Like yeah, where it absolutely ends. Oh, you're gonna make another point. You already got a note for. This is a good ending point. Just keep going. Um, I'll pull it for that though. Okay. Well. I got it. I got it. I, th- I think it. Yeah, I think it uses the word. Up, it does. Yeah. So, you have man's creation, Adam, or God's creation of which yeah, is man. Fir- the first word is Adam. <laughs> yeah. Starts with Adam, ends with up, and this this is something that I found really amazing because Matthew, the Gospels, Matthew starts with a genealogy, and it ends the Gospels with ascension. Mm-hmm. Very very similar aspects here, and that that's a. I don't know. It's just a silly little thing that stood out to me that I, I think. The book of Chronicles begins with a genealogy, specifically Adam, and it ends with the, the let him go up. Yeah. And uh, where, where, is, uh, where is Jerusalem? Well, if up. not yeah. up. It's to go rebuild the temple. Yep. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. 16, the book may contain a lot of similar writings in Samuel and Kings, but the writer of Chronicles wanted to give their readers another version of the events that happened. It's similar to... Uh, you know, there's there's multiple uh, war documentaries on uh, what is it A and E History Channel or whatever. Used to be History Channel, yeah, but now it's just it yeah, history. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, there's how many documentaries on World War II or mm-hmm. or one or whatever, and each one that you watch, each one that you you read, each book, each retelling or recounting, it, there's something new, there's something different, there's something in there that's necessary for it to be written, and that's another thing that we need to understand. When we look at the Bible, Old Testament or New, and we say, man, this is redundant, this is boring, this is, you know, in, in some cases, it's like, why am I, what is the, the point of even reading this? Well, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God and God, thought it important enough to have in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, what are we thinking if we can rewrite the Bible in our heads and say, well, this doesn't matter? Of course it matters. You just have to dig really deep and... We dug as deep as we possibly could because at first we were both like, wow, we're not going to have a lot on this. No, we pulled 47 verses of names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I te- yeah, anyway. So 17, therefore this, quote, little book of redundant writings, end quote, that's, that's me, uh, really is a wealth of retold knowledge designed and placed to remind the Israelites of their history and the hope they had for the future. We've gone over that point like two or three different times because I like redundancy. It means it's memorized. Right, and kind of build off your point there, it's it's a retelling, but it's not a telling of a different story. It's a telling of the same story. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not leaving out facts to paint a different, uh, in a different light in the sen- other than the sense that it's trying to show the faithfulness of God. Right. Uh, the highlight or the faithfulness of God. So if the story doesn't need that, it's not telling that, that those things because they're quite well known, they're quite well recorded in the books of Kings and Samuel. So its theme is the faithfulness of God. Yeah, and and actually, I'm I'm going to 
I'm going to expand on the faithfulness of God here with our New Testament. So we see evidence of the importance of multiple accounts of biblical events in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or just the Gospels in general, mm-hmm. um, not only lending authenticity because you have different accounts, but each writer lends insight the other doesn't have in a beautiful way. Like you have multiple eyewitnesses, so you're getting different accounts from different viewpoints. Yeah. yeah. Um, even even down to uh, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. Sermon on the Plain, uh, different accounts. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we kind of covered that. Yeah. Hebrews? Different accounts. That was Hebrews episode? No, I think we did Luke. I think we did the Sermon oh, on the Plain. Oh, we did do it. Yeah, yeah we did. Wow. Uh-huh. That was last year. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> 19 each. Different or, sermon no. given, a same sermon given in different places. So that, that's why you have similarities that are different, but yeah. And, and different setups, kind mm-hmm. of, sort of. Different yeah. audience, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 19 each are wholly important retellings of Jesus' life. And we're speaking of the Gospels, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jesus' life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension that Christians need no matter the century. And again, I, I use the word ascension here because you, you could just talk about life, ministry, death, resurrection. Um, but the important aspect here is, and to tie it into the ending of Chronicles as a whole book between one and two, um, it's about ascension. It's about promises made and promises fulfilled. Promises uh, that will be kept, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and again, uh, last, last point, because it's, you know, 20... 20 cool parts about mm-hmm. first and sixth or whatever. Yeah. Um, the New Testament Gospels, like Chronicles, begin with genealogical records and end with ascension. We've already talked about that, but I already told you I like to jump around, um, right. which is life, hope, promises, and fulfillment. Uh, so that is what I had. So that's a brief look at the book of Chronicles. Yeah. Or the books of Chronicles in our Bibles, but the book is originally written. So gets back to the, the, the question, why start a book with nine chapters of genealogies. Um, why did the author write Chronicles? We started to look at that a little bit. Um, we saw it's to encourage Israel that all that has happened has been God keeping his promises. We talked about this. They were right. taken into captivity just like God promised he would do. Um, if you worship false gods, this is what's going to happen. They worshiped false gods and... That was God keeping his promise. I think that goes all the way back to our first uh, podcast in Hosea. We were talking about that. (laughs) It's it's God keeping his word. We look at this calamity, this thing. um, We we, we look at at, at Assyria and and Babylon overcoming Israel and Judah. And and was it the foreign gods winning victories over Yahweh? No, it was Yahweh keeping his word. It was Yahweh keeping his promises. Right. He, He said, if you do this, then this is what I'm going to do. And... The author or authors here are showing that that what what has happened, what has happened to the people of Judah, is exactly what God promised. It's Him keeping His promises, and He wants to remind them that God has promised to send His Messiah. So, right. as God has kept His promises, He still has one more, or many more. But He's there's one big one. And because we see God working, we see God being faithful and keeping His promises. We can know that God's going to continue in, in being faithful and keeping his promises. And, and one of those is he promised to send the Messiah. We talked um, about that in life group today. You know, if, if God makes a promise and he doesn't fulfill it, then he's a liar. And can God be a liar? No. Precisely. So, and, and the author here, again, getting why genealogies, what, what is he trying to accomplish here? Uh, he's trying to show Israel their place in history. 
Uh, we talked about chapter 1 starts with Adam. The very first word in the book of Chronicles is Adam. And it shows the origins of the nations of the world. As it goes through, down from Adam, branching out, um, getting down to Noah and his sons and branching out, it's showing where the nations have come, where the people around Israel, uh, where they came from. Uh, and then chapter 2 starts with with the tribes of, uh, of uh, Israel, the 12 sons uh, um, of Israel, um, where they came from. Now, the, the thing here is we talk about Judah, Judah being the southern kingdom, and uh, often we, we, we talk about, uh, we hear talked about, well, we talk about, but we hear talked about the lost ten tribes uh, of the north, the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, because when uh, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, takes the throne, only Judah and Benjamin stay loyal to him, ten tribes in the north. Uh, Levi spread around. There's 13 tribes because Joseph gets two with Manasseh and Ephraim because he gets the firstborn blessing. So sometimes you have 13 tribes. Sometimes you have 12, depending on if Joseph gets counted as two or not. Because those, those are the two sons of Rachel, correct? No, no, no. The two sons of Rachel are Joseph and Benjamin. Oh, Joseph, okay, yeah. both of Joseph's sons. That's why sometimes when you're reading the tribes, you don't you won't find the tribe of Joseph. It's absent. Because you'll find the tribe of Manassas and Ephraim. Because there's 12, oh. there's 12 things of land, the firstborn gets a double blessing. Joseph was given that honor by Jacob when he died. Right. And the Levites don't inherit land because the Levites are spread out amongst the people because the Lord took them for his own. Um, so no matter how you count it, you always come up with 12, whether it's they're getting land. Um, if it's important, call it the sons of Israel, then Joseph, uh, Manasseh, and Ephraim will be lumped together. So we have this thing with, with the... The, the tribe of Judah, when they were taken to captivity, taken to Babylon, 70 years, they come back, which is how those, this book ends, where the book of Ezra and Nehemiah pick up. And often it's been said those those tribes in the north were lost, but Second Chronicles eleven sixteen tells us that when uh, the king in the north, uh, Jeroboam, goes to set up, he sets up, appoints his own priests, and as he appoints his own priests, the Levites leave because they know that that's, that was not God's plan. And it says all the faithful from all the tribes followed uh, them to Judah. So all 12 tribes were present in Judah. I'm uh, pulling that up on the live stream. So okay, you, you got Second Chronicles yeah. eleven sixteen. Yep. Right yeah, you want to read it when you find it? Sure. All um, right. Those from all the tribes of Israel who set their hearts on seeking the Lord God of Israel followed them to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord God of their fathers. So at this time, there, there's... There's members of all 12 tribes in Judah. There's no lost tribes. So the, the author here is he's in chapter 2 setting up this genealogy of the 12 tribes. These are the people. Now, first he does an emphasis on Judah. We talked about this. Uh, he goes on for a few chapters about Judah. Uh, we see the tribe of David right off the bat. That, that, then that, I mean, the tribe of David, the, the line of David, which, right. is what, which is what caught your eye, and that, that's what started it. <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh, there's an emphasis there on Judah, and, and but, but he will hit all 12 tribes as he walks through it. And uh, later there's also on the tribe of Levi, I know we talked about that earlier, an emphasis on the Levitical line. This is where the priests would have come. But not just the priests, the Levites had a job of teaching the people the law and helping them to understand and worship God. Um, and and the importance chapter of them nine, can't yeah. be understated. Um, and think of how many times the, the Israelites were displaced. Um, in, imprisoned, uh, enslaved or whatever, and, and, and displaced. I've moved, I don't know, nine times, something like that in my lifetime. And I know for a fact that there is a significant portion of even my most recent move of things that I owned prior to the move that mm -hmm. I don't have anymore. They're lost. Right. 
And that was, that was, you know, again, pointing out even having this, what you said the author is showing Israel their place in history without this, they might have lost their uh, understanding and, and belief. Right. They wouldn't have seen themselves as a, a playing a role in, in, in Yahweh's plan. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, sorry. Go, no go, problem. Go back. So in chapter 9, the, the author gets to the genealogies of those who have returned to Jerusalem after the captivity of Babylon. So not just the genealogies leading up to, but now even the genealogies of those who have returned. And as we talked about, it wasn't everybody who came back. It, it was a, a limited number of people who returned. So he's, he's tracing their, their genealogies for them and, and laying that down. Um, and then another thing, why start with genealogies? An- another reason is genealogies at this time were, were for the rich and famous. Uh, names often only survived three or four generations and, and then are forgotten like this. Uh, you know your parents' name? Yep. Okay. You know your grandparents' name? Yep. All of them? Yes. Okay. And you know your great-grandparents' name? Not all of them. Yeah. How about your great-grandparents? <laughs> Great-great-grandparents. Nope. See, the further back you go, those names become lost. So the rich and famous, uh, the famous society would keep those those genealogies and those names going. Um, the rich would often do this to, to keep that way. They're not forgotten. They're, they're, they're remembered. Um, the author showing Israel they are important to God. Uh, their genealogies have been kept. They're, 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 they have an importance to, to God. Right. Um, and then genealogies were a way of reminding Israel of their history. See, as we read these 47 verses of names, let me flip back to it. So, yeah, uh, we just see name after name after name, very little details. Um, but for the audience, for, the, for, the, for who this was written to, there are many stories associated with these names. Um, and this was a quick way of walking through their history by recapping these names. And each family, each tribe uh, might have some different emphasis on which stories, but as these names pop up, so are these stories, and so is this retelling of Israel's history and seeing how Yahweh was faithful to his people through the generations. So let's take a look at a few of the, the names here in chapter 2 and, and pull up some of their stories and background as we, as we read it. And the first one we're going to look at is in verse 15, and it's David the seventh. Uh, this is the easiest one. This is the layup. Um, it's going through the seven sons of Jesse, and it names them out. Uh, it's talked about Obed, uh, Boaz, Obed, Jesse, and then it goes through the, the seven sons of Jesse. And we get to David the seventh here in verse 15. And basically from verses 3 to 15, uh, this is the line of Judah, the, the, the son of Israel, all the way down to David, the king of Israel. And, you know, this is the David that, that killed Goliath. This is the David that, that uh, was a shepherd boy who wrote many of the Psalms. This is the David who becomes the greatest king in Israel's history. Um. This is, <laughs> I'm sorry, distraction there. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, but, but basically, the, you, you know, yes, this is the David that, that uh, it, it, as, as Chronicles will skip over, but uh, Samuel does not, uh, will fall in the sin with Bathsheba. Um, this is a David that uh, was a man after God's own heart. This this is a very well known. This is probably the best, but most well known of this list, and it's the name that caught your eye. Yes. to read this passage. This goes to your whole point of, uh, well, I, I guess it was both of our points of. There's really only the good things talked about in in Chronicles that the kings did. Not really much, if any, of the negative. 
And David had a lot of problems. Yeah. Yes, he did. Um, and a lot of them stemmed from from that, that sin with Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. And um, he repented and, and God forgave him, but uh, there was a lot of consequences that stemmed from that. So, um, and then moving on, the verses 16 and 17, we've got four interesting names here. We've got three brothers and a cousin. Uh, this is, now, forgive me because my Hebrew is not all that great. Uh, Abishai, Joab, Asahel, and Amasa. Uh, the first three being three brothers and then the, their cousin. And here we learn that these four famous warriors, uh, they are talked about, especially in the, books of, in the book of Samuel, uh, were the nephews of David. And uh, it appears that their mothers had a different father than David. Their mothers were, were not the daughters of Jesse, but the, but the, but someone else. But they had the same mother. Uh, and looking at these uh, four, let's walk through them. First, we have Abishai, and now Abishai was the chief of the thirty. And if you learn about David in Second Samuel twenty three, we get this list of thirty warriors. It's actually thirty seven long. Okay. Um, if you're going to be one of David's warriors, it's not always a long life. Uh, but David's 30 men, these were the guys who stuck with David through thick and thin. Um, these were his closest companions. These are the ones who went to war with David. These are the ones that fled with David when he's running from Saul. Um, these were these were men who were with David uh, through, through everything. They, they stuck by his side no matter what. Uh, and an interesting thing, the 37th name on that list, just to totally get off here, is um, Uriah the Hittite. Okay. Uh, the, the the man whose wife he, he slept with. I, I was going to ask you if he was part of that. Yes, he's the 37th name. Okay. He's the last name on there. Cool. But these 30 men, uh, Abishai, uh, the nephew of David, he is the chief of the 30. He was their, their commanding thing. He was very, very loyal to David, fiercely loyal to David. Um, there's a few few counts in the Scripture uh, um, during the uh, rebellion of Absalom. Uh, one man is, is, is insulting David as they're losing Jerusalem, and, and he wants to kill him. David's like, no, no, no. And then on the way back, he wants to kill him again because he didn't forget. Uh-huh. And David's like, no. So if you insulted his if you insulted his king, he thought it was his duty to, to kill you. Um, he was with David when David snuck into the camp of Saul as Saul was um, pursuing David and trying to kill him. Uh, one night when they were asleep, David and a companion, and this would be Abishai, his nephew, this name here mentioned in verse 16, snuck into the camp with David, and uh, he, he actually offered to pin Saul to the ground in his sleep. And, and David told him, no, 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 we, we don't kill the Lord's anointed. Sounds sounds really familiar to uh, a New Testament uh, character, Peter, doesn't it? Yeah, fiercely loyal and yeah. maybe a little... Uh, Headstrong? Yeah. I mean, a aggressive? Little, yeah, a little aggressive. Well, <laughs> you want to talk about aggressive. Let's get into the next name. Okay. Because that, that guy was really aggressive. This is the guy named Joab. And if you're familiar with the story of David, you're very familiar with the name Joab. Joab was the commander of David's armies. Now, he won this honor by capturing Jerusalem. David captured Zion, the fortress, what was called the City of David. And he says, the first one, you know, the first one in to, to attack the Jebusites, you know, will be commander of the army. And Joab takes that honor. And he is he's also fiercely loyal to David, follows him for, for four decades. Um, he was a very capable commander, uh, but he was prone to killing people. As some are wont to do. Not like this. Okay. No, first, um, well, some of the people he killed, like he killed Absalom. Uh, you know the story of Absalom? He was hanging by his hair uh, as he was trying to flee after the battle had been lost. And uh, even though he was ordered not to, 
Joab kills Absalom, which David doesn't take lightly. Uh, lightly. Uh, he kills Abner after Abner had swore allegiance to David. Now, Abner, who, who's Abner, we ask, right? Abner was the commander of Saul's armies. Uh, so basically, he was Abner was Joab's position under Saul. Okay. So it was his, uh, pre- not really predecessor because, so after Saul's killed in battle, Abner backs the sons of Saul. And we have a civil war in, in Israel. And so he's commanding those armies. And, and in one battle, um, well, well, we'll get into that in the next name. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into why, why Abner was killed by Joab. Uh, but after the battle is lost, Abner swears allegiance to David. He realizes David is the true king of Israel, the leading forward. And um, treacherously, Joab kills Abner. Not not in battle, uh, not, not honorably, but um, treacherously. And we'll get into the why, the next name. And then Joab also killed Amasa. Now, Amasa, you're like, who is that guy? That's the fourth name on this list. Um, and more on that one to come, too. But so Joab is, is loyal to David for over 40 years. Um, but at the end of David's life, David picks um, the king to follow him. He picks Solomon, the son of Bathsheba. And Joab thinks it should be Adonijah instead of Solomon. And this results in David telling Solomon to make sure that he executes Joab. Uh, so even though he was loyal to, to, to things, the, the killing of people just went a little too far. That's so too much for David. When, you're, when, you're, when your buddy just goes out and does... Bad things. He kills people he's told not to kill. He kills people he should know better than to kill. It's not time to kill them. And in fact, he's uh, he is killed holding on to the horns of the altar, uh, wow. which worked for Adonijah. By the way, Adonijah, the one he backed to be king instead, that he he went to the to the thing. He grabbed the the, the horns of the altar, and it got him clemency from Solomon. Solomon granted him clemency, but Solomon ordered Joab to be killed. Um, and then the, the third name here is Asahel. Asahel, I, I, I'm, like I said, my Hebrew's not that great. Asahel, uh, yeah, he was also fine. one of David's 30 men. He, he led part of David's armies. And in this civil war, this battle with Abner, uh, as he, Abner's defeated and he's running away, Asahel pursues him. Uh, he was very fleet of foot. Like That's how the King James puts it. He was very fleet of foot. Meaning he was fast. Yeah, he was fast. And Abner could not get away. And Abner re- recognizes him and tells him, hey, look, just go kill somebody else and take their armor. Leave me alone. I don't want to kill you. And nope, he won't turn around. So Abner, to save his life, kills him, which is what leads Joab to kill Abner later on. Even, uh. th- even though it had been a while since it had passed and Abner had now sworn allegiance to David and switched sides, uh, that would lead to, to to Joab avenging his brother Asahel. Man, that Joab guy. He was very ruthless. You did not want to cross him. And he doesn't forget. No. It's like an elephant with a sword. Yes, pretty much. Um Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't realize I skipped this one, but yeah. He was the one whom Uriah, Joab was, the one whom Uriah carried his orders to, since we're talking about Bathsheba. Ah. Uh, David, to cover up his sins, orders Uriah to be, uh, he doesn't order him outright killed. Instead, just everyone else um, uh, pull back and leave him by himself right? and let the enemy kill him. Uh, and it was to Joab that Uriah carries these orders. So. And then the last name in that, that, those four nephews of David, different mothers, so this is a cousin of the other three, is Amasa. Now, Amasa was a very capable warrior. He was the commander of the armies of Absalom. So when Absalom, David's son, goes into rebellion and rebels against his father, Amasa is made his um, the general, the commander of his armies. Um, and after the defeat of Absalom, actually, David offers Amasa 
the command of his armies for life. He says, you know, you're flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Will you not command my armies for life in the place of Joab? Uh, because he was a little upset that Joab had killed Absalom. So he was willing to give this position that Joab had to uh, Amasa here, which results in Joab killing Amasa. Uh, he comes up, and, and just out of a New Testament picture, he, he kisses him, greets him with a kiss, and then grabs his beard and sticks a, a knife in his gut. Um, so again, don't cross Joab, and, and, and don't be his replacement. Wow. So, so that's what these four guys, you, you read these out, and these are all stories uh, pulled right out of, of um, the book of First and Second Samuel. Okay. Um, and as they read these names, these are things they're going to see. And David, of course, there's just there's so much to go on, it, it's hard to see. But the, these four guys, we wouldn't even know that they were the nephews of, or, or how they were the nephews of David. Um, so like I said, as you pull through, there's some other things. Verse 18, we have this guy, Caleb, the son of Hezron. And first of all, you know, when we hear Caleb, we automatically turn to, oh, yeah, Joshua and Caleb. At least those of us named Joshua do. Um, (laughs) But this is not that Caleb. This is not the Caleb of Joshua and Caleb fame. Uh, That Caleb seems to be mentioned in chapter 4, verse 15. Um, He would be the the great-grandson of Judah. So it's way too early in in, in history for that to happen. Although he is an ancestor of that Caleb, of, of of the spy of the fame. And then if we jump all the way down to verse 49, we'll see, we'll see, uh, we got a woman listed here. And the daughter of Caleb was Akash. Akash was a distant descendant of Caleb, the son of Hezron. So this, this first Caleb we're talking about, verse 18, she's a distant descendant of them. She's, she's not her, his daughter directly. Uh, daughter is a term that can be used uh, down generationally. Although she was the daughter of Caleb the spy of Joshua and Caleb's uh, uh, fame. So even though she's a distant daughter of uh, Caleb, the son of Hezron, she is the direct daughter of Caleb, the spy of Joshua. And she's also the wife of Othniel. Remember who Othniel was? I do not. You do not. He was the first judge of Israel. Uh-huh. In the book uh, of Judges, he's the first okay. to rule. He was the son-in-law and nephew of Caleb, the spy. Uh, the spy. It's Caleb the spy. doesn't sound good, but I guess... Caleb the good spy. The good spy. Yeah, yeah. Caleb the one over the age of 20 who got, one of two got to make it into the promised land with Joshua, son of Nun. Right. So, uh, yes, she was promised to Othniel as the, uh, uh, for him conquering the land or the city of Debir. Debir is obviously in the uh, tribal areas of Judah during the conquest, but uh, archaeology has not successfully identified it. There's a couple good thoughts that could be here, could be there. Uh, but we don't know exactly where that city is. But she was his his reward, the, the man who conquers this land. Well, he's like, oh, I'll go do it. And uh, so she became the wife of Othniel, the first judge that delivers Israel in the book of Judges. Not to sound rude, but she must have been really pretty. She was definitely <laughs> desirable. I mean, enough to go out and do that. You know, I'm, I'm not going to judge um, sitting here thousands of years later is exactly well, why he went and did it. But right. she definitely seemed desirable to be a wife. Yeah, enough to go battle, standards right? Were. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Come on. And then the last one, I don't want to pull a name here, but it, but it's a, in verse 55 it says, those are the Kenites. In verse 55, that's the, the end of the chapter here. And uh, the Kenites were a foreign people. Uh, they're mentioned you know, when Abraham's promised the land of, of Israel from the the river of Egypt to the river Euphrates and God lifts, lists off uh, the name of the peoples that live there and Kenites is actually in that, in that list so they are a separate distinct people from 
Israel. But it appears that some, whether by marriage or adoption, um, have become ingrained with the tribe of, of Judah. They've become part of this tribe of Judah, whether it's now they want to worship Judah, uh, I mean, not Judah, Yahweh, uh, whether they recognize him as, as the true God, and, and this is where they live, um, or, or they've married in and, and they're following God. Uh, they, they, those are the Canaanites that they've, they've now become part of Israel. So they're into the fold now. Yeah, they're into the fold, yes. So that's, as, as we walk through this these genealogies, like I said, when we did this last, <laughs> and you read, and you read. And read. And read, because you're looking for something. You're just looking for anything. And we got, you know, here are his sons, and then his wife bore him these sons, and his concubine bore him these sons, and then and then it just goes on a whole other genealogy, and you, you're not finding a whole... Where, where's the narrative here? It's not. It doesn't exist. Yeah. But... As the chronicler puts this together, he writes this as, as I like how you said that as the people listened. Because we're like, no, they didn't listen, they read. Well, most people back then couldn't read. Yep. So they had to listen when it was read. So as, as this is read out loud to those people, as they're hearing them and they hear these names, they're thinking of some of these stories that we just shared and, and many more. And, and they're thinking of them like that, quick, way quicker than we could come up with it, you know, way yeah. quicker than we could say it. It just comes to mind as they hear these names, the, all these stories and all their history. So why begin the book with nine chapters of genealogy? It's to show Israel their place in God's plan. It's to show them they have a place in God's plan. God has a plan, and he has been faithful to it. And that's what this whole book goes on to show them that, look, look, look at here. As people are faithful to God, God is faithful to keep his word and his promises. Right. So that's what I got. That's... Pretty good. I have to say, I thought that... You you did say that it was going to be a short episode. I did. I honestly thought we were going to be a short episode, <laughs> but you know what? By time we we do everything normal and we you know we get into to the next passage and all that, we're going to be right on our mark of where we should be. And yeah. see, that that's the amazing thing about studying the Word of God, is even when you pull a genealogy, which we knew this was going to happen one day, so it's not, it's not like we were <laughs> totally unprepared. We knew it was going to happen, yep. and it was one of those ones that, okay, how do we make this work? And then, you know, as you dive into it, you, okay, I got some interesting points. And what's, what's really interesting is talking uh, with you over, the, over the, the weeks that it's been is the narrative and what was going to come out of this has changed time and time and time again. Because if I, yeah. oh, I'm going to go this angle. I'm going to go that and And every time we go to sit and write our notes for both of us, it was, no, God's like, no, 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 that's not what I want. Nope, I had, I had a I near full recounting of uh, of, of uh, Jacob on my on my list here, and that's technically cheating because we didn't do Jacob because that's in the part before. I know. <laughs> like I started, I started at one chapter two verse one. Right, right. Which we've we done before. We do, had yeah. we've had done before for context. Yes. And so I had I had started with that. Like, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at all these and like, oh, there's an interesting person, or and, and in some cases it's just. Um, Ozim the sixth, David the seventh, and then it goes to their sisters. Uh, and that's Zezariah where we get those warriors. You see, yeah, that's exactly what it nailed. And, yeah. then, and then there's, you know, cool, like cool things. Uh, Jesher, Gesher, and Aram took the towns of Jer from them with Kenath and its villages, even 60 cities. So there is a conquest of 60 cities hidden somewhere here that they... You know the the classic readers or the classic listeners of this know about, and oh, they would know those cities. They'd know the location. But yeah. we don't. We don't. Uh, the, 
there's no biblical recounting of this, as far as I know, of of the of the the sixty cities. I didn't study that far. I wouldn't say. I mean, in that I mean, in that part, yeah. I, but that that's where if that's the direction would have gone. Go. I would have, but yeah. And, and yeah. that's where I that's where I initially wanted to go. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to go this way. And then I started to think, man. But what significance is that actually going to have? Exactly. It, it literally has none. And then it just immediately shifted with you know some prayer and thought to well, what is the cultural significance? What is the significance of it being placed where it's at? Where was it located? What was it called? Um, and not to say you couldn't come up with something that, that would oh fit yeah. that narrative or whatever, but that's, that's not where God was leading. And yep. what we thought was going to be a short, oh, this, you know, when we got off here last time, it was like, oh, this next time will be a really short episode. <laughs> and it wasn't. It wasn't. It was right at the pace and format God wanted. And it's just, it's amazing. Don't skip anything. No. You know, if God draws you to it, even if it's a genealogy, there's a lot to learn there. And that's that's why when we came up with the format of this show, Random Acts of Study, just in general, it disallows you from, quote-unquote, cheating or cherry-picking or just going to a place where in the Bible you're, you're comfortable. Like, oh, I want to read Proverbs. I want to read um, some Psalms. Like... I want something uplifting or I want something that, that's going to help me through the day. Obviously, those things are fantastic and they're needed and they're necessary and they're amazing. But just randomly opening up the Bible and just reading, I've found to be extremely interesting, especially over the, the past few weeks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> as, as things have yeah. evolved. Um. Yeah, I mean that's really all I have to say about it. I think we I think we wrapped it up pretty well. The whole point behind it, uh, you know, to me the the ending point is quite literally, and we've gone over this. It starts with the beginning and it ends with the ascension. It it starts uh, with the fall and ends with the fulfillment of a promise. Um, that's kind of what we see in our gospels, or that is what we see in our gospels, and that's kind of that's the lesson that I came out with after reading this. Again, pushing forward the whole point of the Old Testament is not uh, antiquated. It is not useless. It is something that points us directly to Jesus Christ. Right. It's part. It's part of his story. It's literally part of his story. Yeah. It's like you're talking about his great aunts and uncles and, and great grandfather. And it's all pointing to him. I mean, yeah. that, that's the beauty of it. Is we look at it and, and really, it's all things that are pointing to him. In in. Like I, like I like to say, the Bible's not an exhaustive record of what happened. It's the story of Jesus that God wants us to have. And it is complete enough for us to be able to follow him. Yes. Even the parts that we think, well, this will be short. Nope. It's right on thing. Well, this, this study has certainly challenged me and uh, my capability of studying and, you know, looking up, uh, I, I listened to at least three or four different lectures on Chronicles before I decided to to kind of get my own standpoint on it. But I'm not going to say that I didn't borrow from a lot of what was already said because, you know, to us, there there really isn't a lot of meat, but there was enough for an hour's worth of a show. Mm-hmm. And then some. We just scratched the surface. So we invite you to read First Chronicles um, oh, yeah. and we, go through we, it yourself. We could have gone over some more names, those towns. You know, there, uh-huh. there, was, some, there's, there was a whole lot... We just, like you said, we just scratched the surface when it came to those names. As we normally do when we open up the Bible, which is why it is a timeless record um, and one that has tested, uh, it's, it's, it's survived the test of time. Yes. Um, so I am 
pulling and you are I'm reading. reading? All yep. right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's now time for true random acts of study where we will uh, randomly open up the Bible and wherever Josh's eyes land, that's where he's going to start reading. He's going to read until he gets a cohesive story or a, a, a thought that we can then expand on. Or 47 chick versus the names. Yeah. We won't do that this time. <laughs> you don't know where you're turning yet. <laughs> if I get second card? We're, we're not. not playing that game. Right. We won't do that. It'll be whatever I, I am going to say I'm going towards I'm going towards the back. So, all right, here we go. All right. What well, do we it's, get? It's, a, it's First Corinthians. All right. Definitely First Corinthians. Yes. Where are we? All right. So let's do First Corinthians chapter eleven. First Corinthians. Chapter 11, I've got two dividers. I'm going to start with verse 1. Uh, I'm pulling up right now. First Corinthians. Of course, see, this is one of the things. See, I already picked it, so I can't change it. But now I just looked at the other one's Lord's Supper. We could have had some wine and some bread next time. It was, you know, we could have done a really cool thing on that, but we're, we're, we're sticking with our format. My wife does make a really amazing unleavened bread, but we don't get rid of the yeast in the entire house. Yeah. So, whatever, it's fine. I like sourdough. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so you said 1 Corinthians chapter First Corinthians 11. chapter 11, verse 1. Verse 1. All right, here we are. All right, so we're going to start there. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, of a woman, of a woman, not the woman. And God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. But every woman who has her head uncovered prophesying disgraces her head. Oh, sorry. Disgra- well, well, yeah, right. disgraces her head. For she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to have the head, his head covered, since he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. Judge for yourself. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering, but if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no other practice, nor have the churches of God. And there we have it. Let me just finish the, the section because this can be... Yeah, this is loaded. This is a, this is a very contentious passage. Yes, so, it is. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you have come together, not for the better, but for the worst. For in the first place, when you come together as a church... I hear the divisions exist among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be frac- factions among you, so that 
Those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Uh, is it? No, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and the other is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those you have, who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. We're going to have a fun next episode. <laughs> um, so your thoughts first, my thoughts first. I'm, I'm open to either. Completely. Okay. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of studying on uh, early church tradition. Yes. Um, context. Context, 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 yes. There's going to be personal conviction on here. I, I do know of some people who, who as women, uh, wear head coverings to church. Um, mm-hmm. And this is, this is the passage that comes from. Um, Told you there's a lot list. going on here, and we have talks of, uh, of angels. We have talks of um, praying and prophesying. We have, uh, and of course, the head covering. Yeah. Um, we have mentions of, of, of women of ill repute. Did we? Shaved heads. Okay. Right? I mean. I, said, I think he said, did, well, no, we're going to find out. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right. So we're going to find out. Yeah. Shaved heads, which is why, you know, uh, not covered. Mm-hmm. Um, talks about uh, women being for men, not men for women. That's an interesting one. But then it does go back and make the point that uh, the man has his birth in the woman. Yep. So uh, I think we're going to be looking at created order. It's odd, too, because I've been having this thought. Um, someone came to me once and said, you know, if, if man was created first, then why do we start off as female in the womb and then develop into males based on a, uh, an injection of a certain hormone? We'll have to look up the science on that if you want to go that direction. My, I don't think I'm going that direction next time. I'll leave that to you. Okay, well, I'll just quickly touch on it. My yeah. immediate thought on that through study was that man was created Woman was the first of reproduction. Okay, yeah, I, I can see that. So that's you know that's my thought anyway. So I'm going off the rails, but yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I but I see that. Um, this is good. This will be fun. Yeah, at least there's some stuff at the end that's not about hair covering. We can talk about people getting drunk at church and stuff. Well, there's there's a lot. Um, what we went through Ephesians. Yeah. Uh, on Wednesday nights, and there was a lot of uh, uh, potentially very um, misunderstood passages. Right. And here we have one right here that if, you know, at, at on the surface is like, okay, so are women not as good as men, or are women... No, I don't think Paul's making that point at all. No, he's no, not. I don't think, if you look at, it, at, at everywhere else that's misconstrued, that's yes. not the point he's making. I think here it's talking about head coverings. Which can be um, a contentious point for many. So we'll see. Yeah. Regardless, as and, usual, and, we're going to be studying. And luckily, neither one of us have long hair. So I did. I, I did. meant now. Yes, I don't. <laughs> I, I do need it. I need. I need to go to the barber. Anyway, um, any any more thoughts on on this? I like uh, the fact that you went on, um, but in giving this instructions, I do not. But in giving this instructions, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. So there, there, it seems 
that the early church was beginning to uh, get together to have a, a drunken uh, dinner. Yeah, this is Corinth. So Corinth was a problem church for, for Paul often of these things, yeah. And, and you can tell, like, he's not very happy in the way that he's writing. Like, he's hitting some pretty hard things. Yes. Um, and I suppose then that's one of the reasons why he's talking about uh, modesty for the women. Mm-hmm. So that's the surface kind of scratching of the scripture that we just got. Um, again, quick recap. Uh, we got 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 1 through... 18, I think. No, 20. No, 22. Is it 22? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 22. Mm -hmm. I wish I could recolor that. I don't know. I just looked down to the Lord's Supper 23 minus 1. Okay, see. see. Easier to find. Yeah, (laughs) I'm doing subtraction. He's doing algebra over here. I don't know. My version (laughs) of algebra. All right, guys. Um, Thanks for sticking with us. We've uh, greatly enjoyed our time studying. We hope that uh, as you continue to... Uh, progress in your biblical study, that uh, that you're praying about it, that you're thinking on it, that you're asking God for uh, wisdom, that you're asking for insight, because if he wrote it and we have part of him in us, then we should naturally be able to, with him, understand his word, at least to the depth of understanding that's necessary for us as individuals, which is why it's so important to have uh, what corporate church where you're, where you're meeting together, you're um, kicking ideas across the table, you're talking with people, you're disagreeing with people. Um, Josh, you're, you're technically my mentor, and one of your things that you've told me in the past is find a teacher that you disagree with uh, on at least one point. Well, yeah, my philosophy there, this is my philosophy, so go. I won't say others endorse it. When you find a, a Bible teacher you like, Try to find somewhere where you disagree with them theologically. And the reason for this is, is not to be contentious, obviously. Uh, there's lots of things. You can go eschatology. That one's real easy to, dis- to, to disagree with people. Um, but find, because then when you find something you disagree with, and you go, how do they get this wrong? You will question everything they say. And when I say question, I mean like the Bereans in Acts 17. You're going to hold it up in the light of God's word instead of just taking uh, what they say as truth without checking against the Word of God. And, and a lot of what you, you say is, is God should equip us so that we can understand this at least on a level, but God also doesn't call us to do this alone. No. Um, like you said, that collectively we walking through church, get involved in small groups. Um, you, there's plenty of podcasts. I mean, if you found this, you can find podcasts. There's plenty yeah. of them out there. Some will agree with us, some will disagree with us. And the more you study God's Word, the more um, it becomes a light onto your path. Uh, and, and you just ask God, you know, show me how to, uh, to apply this and use this in my life. And you'll be amazed in, in this study. This study we just completed in, in, in First Chronicles, I think, is a, is a great thing about that. It's going to be a short one. In fact, now we've gone a little long, um, <laughs> which sometimes is our habit. But sometimes it, it's God's word when you study it. It's not meant to be studied alone by yourself. There is time to do personal Bible study in that. But you bring it collectively with others, yeah. um, and there's many who've gone before us who, who've written many things. They've got things, uh, videos. They've got uh, podcasts, audio things to listen to, books to read. Um, but like I always said, if you find a Bible teacher, just find some. My philosophy is try to find some place where you, you, you know, okay, I don't quite agree with them because then you're not going to take everything they say as the truth without holding it up to the Word of God standard measure. And and I would tell you, every yeah. teacher out there wants you. 
to compare what they're saying to the Word of God. And if it doesn't, doesn't hold water, let them know. Yeah, and if they don't tell you to go and find out for yourself, just to trust them, run. Right. Teaching should always drive you to the Word of God, not yeah. away from it. Um, so quick, uh, quick plug, honestly. We finished up the website. Um, it's randomactsofstudy.com. Um, that is on the www. And it is, uh, I don't know, it's pretty good. We'll see. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback on it. Uh, go check it out. You're able to see the, uh, the podcast in, in its yes. form. We have original artwork up there for each episode that we've uh, posted so far. Uh, we're going to get onto a little bit of a better schedule. Um, we lag with our podcast, our audio-only uh, podcast. We lag a couple of weeks behind just in case, you know, we're both dads. We, we both have families. We both have uh, things that we need to do outside of, you know, the podcast. Uh, Josh teaches on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday evenings. I'm a full-time tailor, um, t- uh, learning under Josh, uh, you know, how to teach also. And we're busy guys, so we're always going to lag without audio. But when it's posted, you're able to find it there. Um, you're also able to find out... Uh, you're also able to find it pretty much anywhere that has podcasts. Yeah, pretty much anywhere. Uh, even Walmart. No, not Walmart. Um, they don't have podcasts. That's why. That's right. Um, yeah, they don't. Also, um, another plug is Josh's mission uh, that he has with his wife um, and his three young daughters. It's called Martin Five. Uh, Martin Five on a Mission. Mm-hmm. And it's a... a, a Kenyan mission, uh, and I'll let you go a little bit deeper into that. You know, we, we won't take too long, but just you guys need to understand uh, also what we're doing kind of behind the scenes. And, and this is something that Josh does as it's a passion project. It's something that's very uh, interesting to him and, and what he can do. But you uh, you go on randomactsofstudy.com. You look at uh, the top menu. It will take you to Martin 5. Um and it's, it's a page with a ton of different photos of their random mission trips. Uh, not random mission trips, but, you know. Random photos v- from yeah, mission random, trips. Yeah, there yeah. you go. That's, the, that's yes. what I meant. Um, and some, somebody's honking at us. Anyway. Somebody has a train <laughs> horn, and they wanted everyone to know. Yes. And uh, it is Florida. Yes. And you're able to see, um, you know, a little bit about what he does, what they do when they travel to Kenya. So if you want to give sure. a quick synopsis. So on Martin Five on a Mission would be uh, my family. Uh, me, my wife, and we have three daughters, um, Nora, Clara, and Scarlett. And uh, I'm trying to involve them in them. I'm, I'm a third-generation missionary, trying to raise a fourth generation. So what we do is we work with uh, churches in Kenya. I lived in Kenya from 98 to 2000 with my family. And um, we work with established churches. We're, we're not going there to plant churches. We're not going there to um, do big evangelism rallies and, 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 and that such. What we're doing is working with uh, local churches, often in small towns and rural areas, uh, not exclusively, but uh, but mostly. And what we're doing is helping them to, to grow their ministry. Now, the most effective tool to reach another Kenyan is another Kenyan. Um, sure, we, we could do those things, like like, like I said, um, big rallies and stuff, but, but who's doing the discipleship when we're gone? And the most effective tool to disciple people, like I said, is, is a, a strong Kenyan church. Often what we do is we go in and we, we do training, uh, mostly in theological training. Like we'll start in the Book of Romans, uh, we'll go back and done Hebrews. Um, sometimes we'll do leadership training. Sometimes we'll do uh, training in uh, children's ministry, student ministry. Uh, basically we come in at the invitation of the churches locally 
uh, working with them. And we work across denominations. We work with uh, Baptists. We work with uh, AIC, African Inland Church. We work with uh, Pentecostal churches. We work with... Uh, they're the denominations are... are uh, uh, they get along. In fact, the, the last training I did... Well, it was in a Pentecostal church, and we had 17 denominations. Wow. So, yeah, 17 different denominations in one church. And uh, Can you imagine that here? Yeah, and everyone got along. I mean, we had, it was, it was, it was interesting standing up. I remember introducing, you know, it's like, oh, here we've got, um, you know, so we've got, our, we, we, we've got uh, apostles, we've got um, bishops, we've got uh, women preachers, and, and, you know, as a Baptist, we don't have any of those, so welcome. And, um, but, but. Like I said, there's there's not a, the the barrier of denominations that are there. It's the Word of God. We're, we're studying the Word of God together, and it was great. Um, so that's what we do. Basically, is just helping to build up the the local church there in Kenya, and uh, that's where our heart is. And uh, we've been going once a year. Now we're ramping up to go more often. So uh, as the Lord allows and provides, and uh, He's doing amazing things in that area. So, well, and speaking of that, that's also another part of. Uh the website. There's a, a merchandise store, a merch store. And it's our philosophy here that random acts of study will always be free. It will never be paywalled. There will never be um, any kind of subscriber only blah, blah, blahs. This is God's word and it's free to all. Okay. What uh, the merch store is about is all of the funds that come in from the merch store. Um, some will go, you know, to website uh, some will go to, you know, we, we pay monthly for the, the podcast stream in general. But the remaining money from that that comes in is going to go directly into uh, the Martin Five on a Mission. And that is done through Helping Hands Unlimited, yes, which uh, is an awesome little organization. It's a 501c3. Um, that way, all of the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. Um, so every dollar of that is going to be put into that. There's no money made off of it. You know, there's no profit or anything like that going into our pockets. It is going to fund Martin Five on a mission and get them to Kenya more often so we can uh, spread the gospel, you know, as, as a community together. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that merch store, um, I, I, I like, you know, doing artwork and things like that. So um, I, uh, I enjoy funny sayings and, and silly <laughs> memory and all that other jazz. So, you know, if you, if you go, I, I don't know if I can pull it up, uh, but if you go to randomaccessstudy.com, click on the merch store, um, you'll, you'll see like one I did. Uh, oh, goodness. Uh, jo- Jonas. The, the Jonah one's got a lot of, <laughs> I've got a lot of feedback from that one. It's a Jonas fish, uh, uh, Joni, uh, Jonas sushi and more extra large portions. Uh, and it's a picture of a man with an enormous fish. Uh, we won't get into, you know, the theological references or anything like that. Cause we could debate on that all day. Um, there's another one, um, uh, Jabbok, uh, Jabbok, Jabbok's gem, um, make a new name for yourself, which is where, uh, we saw, um, Israel get his name, the name Israel, uh, where he was wrestling with the man of God. Um, and he did it near Jabbok river. 
So mm-hmm. I, just, I thought that was kind of silly and cool, but you know, it's, it's those types of things that we're going to be having up on the store. Uh, I've got uh, quite a few <laughs> that I need to make. Uh, one of the, one of the ones that will be going up is probably going to be Delilah's salon. Uh, our cuts will make you weak in the knees. So it's, you know, little, <laughs> little things like that, that I think are, are really cool that, you know, people can wear, you can wear, you can wear on Wednesday nights on church, at, at church or whatever, but you know, spread the word. Um, Share the podcast if you like it. If you don't like it, I'm sorry, but write us a letter with uh, uh, Josh's name as the attention and and let us know what you don't like about the show and he will be sure to read it (laughs) and personally reply. Uh, Anyway, Um, and... Yeah, I guess that's that's kind of the show. We covered uh, the website. We covered uh, Martin Five on a Mission, and uh, we covered Chronicles. Mm-hmm. And we did a, a beautiful reading of something that is going to be very interesting in study. Yes. First <laughs> uh, Corinthians, uh, I think it was 11, uh, 1 through 22. 22. Yeah. So uh, anyway, guys, with uh, without further ado, we'll see you guys out. You got anything else to say? You good? No, I think we're good. Yeah. We'll play the ending bumper because it's oh. fancy. Woohoo. Ooh. See you later. <laughs>